it's not a series. It's a one-parter. So, yeah, you know. So I'll leave you hanging what's going to happen next week. But tonight we got a sermon called, Don't You Remember? Don't You Remember? And, you know, that's kind of what God's been laying on my heart the last, uh, the last couple of days. Because every single one of us can think of a time when God has rescued us. Amen. Saved us. Maybe provided for our for our needs when we were in a really bad situation. And in fact, you know, I can't just think of one time. I can think of several. Anybody else? Where it's, I mean, there's a lot of times that God has bailed you out of a bad situation. And you know, all of us. There's so many times. And uh, you know, unfortunately, though, one thing that I've realized with all of us is that maybe over time. Or in the face of a different storm or, or just, you know, the new seasons of life. Sometimes we kind of forget about the things that God's done for us in the past. And, you know, it, it, is, it is biblical. The book of Isaiah tells us that that's not like what we dwell on all the glory days of old because God's doing new things for us. But it is a, a bad spot to be in and, and a, a dangerous mistake to just forget about the things that God's done for you. And a lot of times I see this where God's just, I mean, somebody brought them out of the gutter and out of the ditch and changed their lives miraculously. Then a few years later, they're, you know, they get comfortable and, you know, now they're stable and steady and, and all this stuff. And they, they start to forget about the things that God has brought them through. And the disciples were kind of in a situation like this that we're going to look at in just a minute, but never forget what the Lord has done for you. I don't care if it was 50 years ago, you know, or, or, you know, last week. Don't forget the things that God has brought you through, the things that he's done in your life. Because when you do, you start to make some serious mistakes. And we're going to identify three of those mistakes tonight. And we're going to look at three reasons why it's so important to remember what the Lord has done for you in times past. And so I want to pray over this and uh, we're going to get into this lesson tonight. And I, I really believe that God's going to speak to your heart. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, that we have an amazing church family here, Lord, just people that love us and we love them. And God is just a great place. But God, I pray tonight that as we open our hearts to your word, that you're going to speak to us, Lord. And I pray that you'll get a hold of us, grab our attention in some way. And every person here is going to receive from you tonight because, Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Everybody said, amen. So we're going to look at three things that happen when you forget what Jesus has already done for you. And the first thing we're going to say is this. Number one, you become fearful. You're like, well, what do you mean about that? Well, listen, when you forget that Jesus has already brought you through some bad situations and rescued you before, you get really fearful in the middle of a current crisis. And so I want to show you what all of this is based off of in the book of Mark. Let's look at Mark chapter 8. There we go. Get some spillover excitement from this morning. Is that because you all ate so much cake this afternoon or what? And I tore into a lemon meringue pie about three o'clock. It was, it wasn't pretty and I'm not proud, but boy, it was good. Mark chapter eight. And we're going to uh, look here starting at verse 16. This is a very interesting story that, I, that, that I've stumbled across here. Mark chapter eight and verse 16. So the disciples, they're in the boat with Jesus and they, they, they begin, they get into an argument. These guys are, you know, sometimes pretty immature, but it says, at this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. They're arguing over bread, people. Bread. Adult men arguing over bread. And look at this. 
Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? I'm like, man, Jesus, he's, he's, you know, pretty into this. Like, calm down, man. These guys are arguing. He's like, man, can you hear, or understand, or see anything? Don't you remember? And look at this. He said, don't you remember when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Well, 12, they said. And what about when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves? How many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet? He asked them. Now, fully grasp the magnitude of the irony of this situation. You're in a boat with Jesus Christ. Jesus, the man that has literally fed thousands and thousands of people by multiplying bread. And you're concerned about not having enough bread. Do you understand how silly, how stupid, how crazy that is? You're with Jesus, the man that is known for multiplying bread and feeding thousands of people without bread, and you're concerned about not having enough bread. That is stupid. That's crazy. I mean, that's like playing a game of backyard basketball and having LeBron James on your team and worried that the third graders are going to beat you. This is stupid. This makes no sense. And yet so many times, so many times, here we are, man, maybe God has brought us through this one incredible situation, maybe a deliverance or maybe a miraculous healing or something like that. And here you are and you facing a little storm, a little ways down the road. And you're like, oh, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, my gosh. I Oh, not enough bread. Oh, Lord, not enough bread. And you've got Jesus in the boat with you. Think about this before we make fun of the disciples, because we've all been guilty of this. And Jesus is saying to you, don't you remember that time? When I healed you of this, don't you remember the time, man, when I brought you out of this situation over here? You forgot about that or something? You think that I've changed? You think that I can't bring you out of this over here when I did that? And we're all guilty of this, of over time not remembering and beginning to forget the miracles and the things that Jesus has done in our life. And when we do this, we become fearful People, we, we start to we start to doubt and we, we start to get into a bad situation. And I got to say this, that if he brought you through it the last time, he'll bring you through it again. Right. He didn't change. Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And the Lord said many times in the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, he said, I am the Lord. I change not. I don't change. And so if God healed you last time. He can do it this time. If he provided last time, he delivered last time, he brought you through it last time. He can do it this time. All it takes is for you to call upon the name of the Lord and for you to use your faith and reach out for Jesus and believe for a miracle. That's what it took the first time. That's what it takes this time. You just believe God that it can happen. And I was thinking about uh, when I was in college, I worked with this older guy and God had definitely miraculously healed him. Of lymphoma cancer. I mean, a legit miracle healing. And I don't know what this, you know, what the deal was, but 
every time he'd have even just a minor situation, uh, you know, a, a minor ailment, he'd be like, oh, man, I don't know, man. This could be the last thing. This could take me down, man. And Oklahoma, they talk like that. So, anyway. so, you know, and he's always just these little things. And he's thinking, you know, man, I, I just don't know. And there's this other lady I worked with. And she said, listen, didn't you get healed of like this deadly cancer? Well, don't you think God would just heal you again if you got sick? And he'd always say, well, I, I, I just don't want to push it. Just one miracle is all that I can expect. I, I don't know if it ever happened again. I'm like, man, brother, listen, I got healed of cancer. And if it came back, I'd believe God for healing again. I wouldn't just say, well, it's a one-time trick. I don't think God could pull that out of the hat twice. <laughs> no, listen, if God did it before, he can and will do it again. All that it takes is somebody believing him and stepping out in faith and using their faith to receive from God. Because God doesn't change. Sometimes we change, though. Right? If somebody in this relationship has changed, it is not God. Because he's been the same that he's always been since before the beginning of time. And, you know, that's that's one of the amazing things that I love about God is the stability factor that God has never changed. Think about that. There's never been any updates. Think about your little phone you got there in your pocket. They got to send a new update like every two weeks on that thing. And if you don't get the update or whatever, you mean you're old school. You're behind the times. You're not cool anymore. God has never needed an update. He's never had to download new software. He's never had to revise his thoughts on different situations. And, well, tell you what, it's 2016. I just don't think that we could call this a sin anymore. I really don't. I mean, nobody else agrees with me, so I just I better change. No. God does not change. Thank God that God does not change. Because if God changed, I don't know which verses I could stand on or not. Could I stand on this healing verse and say, well, I want to believe that 1 Peter 2.24 says that by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. But I don't know because he changed his mind about this one over here. What if he changed his mind on this one? Or, you know, it says right here that anyone that calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Romans 10.13, but... Does that mean anyone? Because he changed his mind about healing. No. God hasn't changed his mind. God hasn't changed who he is on anything. If he did it before, he can do it again. If you saw that he did it for somebody in the Bible, he can do it for you in this very day and this very hour. And, you know, so sometimes you think, well, God brought me through this before, but that was a lot smaller of a situation. I've never faced anything this big. And what comes to my mind is this. Had David ever faced a giant when he killed Goliath? No. He had never faced a giant. There's got to be a first time for everything, right? And so maybe you're saying, well, I've never seen a problem like this. I've never faced one this big. There's a first time for everything. And whatever that problem is, God is not afraid of it. And do you remember what David did before facing the giant? He started remembering all of the previous battles he had won. He started saying, well, I beat a lion with a rock and some sticks. God helped me beat a bear when he was trying to kill my sheep. God brought me through this, 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 and this. Who are you? And then he he got mad at the giant. He went after the giant. And when you're facing something big, something, man, maybe that you've never seen, listen, you just got to start remembering the things, the little things maybe that God's brought you through. Well, he helped me beat a bear. He helped me beat a lion. He helped me beat this over here. He helped me rescue some sheep. And, and, and you start thinking of these. And when you start remembering the miracles and the testimonies of the past, 
I guarantee you, it will start to build you up, man. You'll start to get the joy of the Lord. It'll start to give you some strength and some excitement about facing the new battle. But you've got to remember, don't ever, ever forget the things that God's brought you through. Because if you do, you're going to be absolutely a fearful person in the face of the newest storm. Don't go there. And so the second thing we'll say is this. Number one, you become fearful. And the second thing that happens when you forget what Jesus has done for you is you become unthankful. You become ungrateful. You, you, you just, you do. And, and I want to show you a story here in Luke chapter 17. So let's, let's start heading that way. But Luke chapter 17, when you forget what Jesus has done for you, you, you become ungrateful. You're not a thankful person anymore. Let's look at this. And we talked about this a little bit in the men's meeting yesterday. But Luke chapter 17. And we're going to look at verse 12. This is probably a familiar story to some of you. We've read it many times. But so, y'all, are you familiar with the disease of leprosy and how horrific that is? Okay. I mean, and it's still, you know, an active disease in third world countries even today. But leprosy, man, you're just flesh begins to rot off of your body and uh i mean if you've seen a picture of somebody with leprosy it's it's absolutely disgusting it's one of the most horrific diseases a person could get painful awful guaranteed death and so it was uh it was a lot more prevalent back you know in, in jesus day and and so whenever somebody did have leprosy i mean they quarantined them they they had their own little area you stay over there away from the general population because none of us want that and so, I mean, this is wise. They kept the, the lepers away from everybody else. And so, like, Luke, Luke 17, let's look at verse 12. It says, as he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance. And, of course, they were standing at a distance. I mean, they had to. But look at this. They were crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went... They were cleansed of their leprosy. Isn't that incredible? Jesus didn't even lay hands on them, did nothing. He just said, you just go show yourself to the priest. And as they began to walk, can you imagine what that would look like? It just instantly, their skin starts turning clear and, and healed. I mean, just right there on the spot. This would have been an incredible thing to witness right before your very eyes. And so they're going and it's absolutely healed. Look at verse 15. This is where the story gets really interesting. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Of course, we know we've talked about that many times that Jewish people and Samaritans did not like each other at all. And so it's very, very ironic that the only person to return out of this and thank Jesus was a Samaritan. I mean, it's very, very, very ironic. And and we probably don't quite understand that, but it's it's very strange. And so look at this. Jesus asked, wait, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, I don't know what happened to the other nine. I mean, it doesn't tell us. Did the leprosy come back at some point? I don't know. I have no idea. But there's a lot of stories we can learn from this. 
Can you imagine you're healed of an absolutely fatal disease and you don't even thank the one that healed you? You don't even stop and say, oh, thank you. This one guy, he was a foreigner. I mean, out of anybody, he was the one you would expect to try to get away from everyone. He runs up there bowing down, just, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And these other nine, they just walk off without saying a word. What is up with this? You know, I, I, can you imagine you're down there you know, at the beach one day and there's someone out there screaming and drowning and they're going down and some brave person dives in and swims and brings them back to shore and, and you know, they help them and, and get them back up and everything and the person just stands up and goes... And just walks off? Doesn't say a word? I'd be thinking, man, what is wrong with you? You would be dead right now. This guy just saved your life. You're not even going to say thank you? And it, it, it's so crazy that only one out of ten said thank you to Jesus. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm looking at this story and i thinking back on all the people that I've seen God do miracles for over the years. You know, I can think of so many people that I've seen God absolutely save their behinds, man healed them of something bad, brought them through, restored their marriage, whatever it is, just absolutely jumped in and pulled them out of the depths. And then within a short period of time, I mean, you just don't see them at church anymore. They're gone. And you're like, man, whatever happened to that guy that got healed of, you know, the cancer, that guy that got healed of that heart attack, or, you know, and all this stuff. And you, they, what, what in the world happened? Well, when you forget... What God's done for you, you, be, you become unthankful. Well, I don't see any, you know, going over there to church, man. I, I don't know. I've got better stuff to do. Listen, that's an unthankful, ungrateful attitude. If somebody literally saved your life, I mean literally saved your life, wouldn't you want to do everything in your power to thank them, pay them back just every day of your life, just do something to say thank you? And a lot of people get it. A lot of people get it, you know, that, listen, I'd be dead if Jesus hadn't come and saved me. I'm going to live my life for him every day. I'm not looking back. No way. I'm going to be at church. I'm going to be helping. I'm going to be serving. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to be the light of the world to those around me. I'm going to show the love of God. I mean, some people get it. And for some reason, I just, I don't know why. It's beyond me why some people, and it seems the people sometimes that God's done the biggest miracles for, they're the ones that just walk off and forget about Him. Why is this? Because when you start to move on with life and forget about what God's done for you, you become an unthankful, ungrateful person. Till the next time you find yourself drowning in the depths, screaming, crying, bawling, Save me, save me, save me. And guess what? God is so good, He'll save us again. He'll give us another chance. And you know, that, that's another, re, another thing beyond our comprehension. Because the love of God, I mean, it's so far beyond what we understand. I don't, you know, there's a lot of people that, and, and if it was up to humans, you know, we'd say, I'm not helping Him. He's, that's the fifth time He's done that, man. Let Him burn. I don't care. It's His fault. But God says, no, no, I, I, I see some potential there. Let's give him another chance. But wouldn't it be great 
if he didn't just have to keep chasing that, you know, chasing you down every, wouldn't it be great if you finally got thankful about it and finally just totally gave your life over to him and, and served him. And, and the next time you're the one helping save somebody from drowning out in the depths, wouldn't that be great? That's what God's plan is for each of our lives. And so the story of the 10 lepers kind of shows me two things. Number one, that most people aren't really thankful. One out of, you know, in this story, it's one out of ten. Ten percent of the people that were healed of an incurable, fatal disease in this instance. Ten, only ten percent of those healed right here were actually thankful and even came back to properly thank Jesus. Now, you know, I'm not officially saying that that's an accurate number all around the board, but that's pretty incredible. And another thing that I noticed out of this story is that Jesus takes notice of who's thankful. Jesus seems to take notice of who is thankful. You know, why is that? Well, we know that Jesus, he came to this earth as a human being. He was a man. He had emotions. We have several instances of him in the New Testament crying, weeping. You know, uh, I mean, being sad, his, his cousin's murdered. He's sad. You know, his friend Lazarus dies, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. You know, we've got all these different instances of Jesus showing that he's got some feelings too. And so right here, Jesus notices that, man, what about all those other guys? Those are, those are my people. Those are Jewish people. That, that only this foreign guy comes back? What's up with this? Jesus took note of this. And all I've got to say is, man, I want Jesus to notice me giving him thanks. I want Jesus to look down there and say, oh, man, yeah, he's thanking me again. Hey, love you. It's all good. You know, I want Jesus to note me as being a thankful and grateful person. And, you know, can you imagine what it'd be like if if you had just worked hard, saved up money, taken an extra job, you know, sold stuff, done without and sacrificed, and you bought someone you love, just the absolute greatest, most special, most expensive gift that you've ever come up with in your life. You hand it to them, they open it up and they say, and walk off. You know, let's get real. That would probably emotionally affect you. You would take notice of that. There's not very many people I would say, oh, I guess you didn't like it. I mean, you would notice it would stand out to you. And when Jesus did this miracle for these guys and they didn't even thank him, he noticed. And so that tells me because Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. He must still notice when people aren't really thankful. He must still notice when people forget about the things and the miracles that he's done for them in the past. And they just forget about it and, and move on with their lives. He must still notice these things. Now, am I saying he's mad at you for it? No, he's not mad at you. But if anything, man, I don't want to make Jesus sad. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, bring sorrow to the Lord to, you know, and it does tell us in uh, Philippians and Ephesians that we can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way we live. So I'm sure we could bring sorrow to Jesus. Let's not do that. Let's be thankful and grateful and remember what he's brought us through because when we forget We become ungrateful. And I want to show you something here. Psalm 30. Let's look at Psalm 30 and see what King David had to say about this. Psalm 30. And 
And so David had a lot of things to be thankful for as well. I mean, we've seen the things that God brought him through. Killed a lion, a bear, a giant, ran for many years from this crazy king that was chasing him down. David had a lot to be thankful for. But Psalm 30, verses 11 through 12, David said this, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothing of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. And so David, he was a thankful person. He said, I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm not going to be silent. And man, I like it when we get a little excited at this church. You know, I like it when I see somebody that I know what they've been through. I know the battle that they faced. I'm okay if they want to jump up and make a little noise and say, thank you, Jesus. That doesn't bother me at all. David did it. And he said, I'm not going to be silent because God's saved me. God has brought me through the storm. I'm going to make some noise and I'm going to talk about it. And we know that David was a wild worshiper, man. He danced and all this, all this stuff. He was, David was not a silent guy. He wasn't silent. And you remember the story. They're dedicating the temple. And, and David just, he's dancing through the streets, worshiping God, dancing, dancing, dancing. And, and his wife gets mad at him and says, man, you look crazy out there. You look stupid. Quit that dancing. And he said, no, I want to get even crazier than this. If you don't shut up, lady. And so he, he just took off even further, man. That was a slight paraphrase. He said, I shall become even more undignified than this. In the King James. But anyway, so he's like, you haven't seen anything yet. I'm getting ready to do the running man. And so he, he just gets really excited. Yeah, they do. So David was thankful and he was like, no, I am not going to be silent. I'm going to I'm going to dance. I'm going to praise God for what he's brought me through. I'll never forget what the Lord has done for me. And so what we're telling you is don't forget. Jesus is saying, don't you remember why are you worried right now? Don't you remember the time that I came through for you? You forgot about that already? It was only a year ago. It was only two years ago. Why did you forget about that? If I did it then, I'll do it again, man. Just call on me like you did back then. But don't ever forget what God has done for you. Amen? Don't forget. And the third thing we'll say is this. The third thing is this, is when you forget... What the Lord has done for you. Number three, you become unfaithful. We get to a place where eventually, you know, it starts off with, well, we were fearful and then we're ungrateful. And then eventually a person that doesn't remember the things that God's done for them, they get to a place of being unfaithful. And that that's probably the saddest thing of all to see is as a, a Christian that that becomes unfaithful to God. You know, a lot of times in marriages that have grown cold, it's because they forget all the great times they've had together. Sometimes they just forget about a lot of the great times they've had together. Sometimes they forget about the battles that they've won together. And, and you know, they fought through things in life together and, and conquered different battles and mountains. And, and they forget all about that. And, and, and they start to lose, lose the love for each other. Well, you start to become unfaithful when you forget the things that God has done for you. And don't ever do that. Your love will start to grow cold. Or you'll become lukewarm, you'll grow cold, and, and God's up there saying, man, I'm still right here, I haven't gone anywhere. Why don't you ever talk to me anymore? 
Why don't you ever show up in my house anymore? Why don't you ever thank me anymore? I never hear from you anymore. What's going on? I'm right here. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything, anything wrong to you. What's going on? And so many times the person that forgets what God has done, they eventually they become an unfaithful person. And, you know, I look at this throughout the Old Testament. We see this, the Israelites all the time. It was so sad to see it. If you read, read the, you know, the entire Old Testament, it's crazy. God would bail them out of a situation and save them and, and restore them. Then, you know, maybe a generation or so later, they'd start mixing with, the, you know, the, the other nations around them and start worshiping their gods, start bowing down and, and praying to their gods, bowing down to Baal. And they were unfaithful. And, it, just, and it, it was so sad. And so God became so disgusted with it. And disgusted is the word. That's awful. That... He told the prophet Hosea, and Hosea, if you think that God's asked you to do something crazy, listen to Hosea's story. So God comes to the prophet Hosea and says, I need to show Israel what our relationship is like. So God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute. And he says, you know, and the prostitute's name was Gomer. So there is nothing about this story that's going to go well. If your wife's name is Gomer, you're already losing. But anyway, so here we are. Hosea marries Gomer. And of course, she's unfaithful, right? I mean, she's running around with other guys and all this crazy stuff. And then she'll come back, you know, and Hosea will take her back and love her and rescue her and, and you know, clean her up and, 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 and take her back. And the next thing you know, she's off wandering out again, being unfaithful, being nasty and all this stuff. Then she'll come back again. And this goes on and on. And, and it's breaking Hosea's heart. And so God's showing the Israelites like, hey, this is you. This is what you're doing to me. I take you back and then you go out and cheat on me again. I, I take you back and you're, next thing I know, you forget all about me. You're out there serving other gods, never talking to me, being crazy. And this kept going on and on. And God proved his point that when somebody's like that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's like they're cheating on God. You've got this relationship, this deep relationship with God. He's supposed to be your number one. And here you are out there fooling around with all kinds, chasing money, chasing everything else forgetting about the one that truly cares about you the one that was always there for you when nobody else was the one that healed you when nobody else could the one that provided when nobody else would god is the only one that is always there for us and yet so many people they're unfaithful they 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 they, they wander off they they chase somebody or something else and god's sitting up there saying man would you quit I love you. I love you. Why are you doing this to me? And that's what so many people do. And when we forget the things that God has done for us, we fall into this trap. You know, don't you think the Israelites, I mean, did God ever do anything big for them? Yeah. He brought them through the Red Sea. He delivered them out of those 400 years of slavery. I mean, he, all the things that he did, he brought them manna, he delivered bread to them every day, and, and quail, they had, they had meat to eat every day, water out in the middle of the desert. God provided and brought them through and all this stuff, and they just always forgot about it. They'd always forget, well, yeah, and they'd, they'd take off chasing something else because they forgot. 
And I'm going to show you a verse here in 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13. This is an absolutely beautiful Bible verse. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13. Because I've got to say, I am so thankful that God does not base His faithfulness to me upon my faithfulness to Him. I'm trying my best to be everything He needs me to be. And sometimes we all fall short, right? But... I'm so glad that God doesn't base his love and his faithfulness to us, you know, on, 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 on our own goodness. Look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. And Paul writes and says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. Amen. Isn't that great? That if, even if we've become unfaithful, he remains faithful because God cannot deny who he is. He will always be there for us. And I think a great story and reminder of this is the story of of the prodigal son. You know, this guy didn't deserve anything. He was a punk. He's a spoiled brat, man. He has got this rich dad and and he's like, man, dad, I I know. Hey, listen, I've got an inheritance coming. I know it's big and I'm not going to wait for you to die. Cut me a check right now. You know, and, and so his dad gives him the money in advance. And so he goes out and buys a bunch of beer and parties with his friends. And get, now they're getting drunk and all this crazy stuff. And I mean, he's got a, you know, big entourage and he's living it up, living wild. And all of a sudden the money runs out and all of the friends are gone because they weren't real friends in the first place. They just liked him for his money. And so they're gone. And here is this kid who's put himself in a bad situation He's eventually the only working get is out there feeding the pigs. And, you know, Jesus tells this story to the Jewish people. And again, you know, Jewish people and pigs, they just, it's disgusting to them. And so this guy is at such a low point. He's feeding pigs and he looks and says, man, even these pigs eat better than I do. They've got a better life than I've got. He was lower than the pigs. You see the illustration Jesus was making? This guy was at the lowest point you could possibly get. You're lower than a pig. You are nothing. You had money. You grew up in a good home. You wasted it all. And now you are the lowest piece of dirt on earth. You know, and that sounds so mean. But Jesus was driving home a point here. This guy blew his chance in life big time. And so he comes to his senses and he says, okay, man, listen. What I'm going to do, I'll come up with a plan here. I'm going to go home to my dad. I'm not going to ask him to receive me as a son. I've burned that bridge. I blew that chance. I'm not worthy to be a family member. I'm just going to see if he'll let me maybe be a slave or something and just work on the property. So I at least can maybe have a roof over my head because I've got, I've got nothing else. And the beautiful thing is this, this kid, he's walking home. He's probably expecting, well, I'll, maybe I'll beg. And, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get an earful from everybody there. But if I beg enough, maybe they'll just give me a chance to, to be a servant or a slave or something. And so as he's walking, though, he's coming down this road. His dad is standing right there, man, like at the end of the driveway, looking down the road, expecting this son to come home. Because he knew the day would come. And I'm thinking, man, there's probably a lot of days that that dad was standing right there. I don't think this was the first time that he stepped out there waiting for his son. I'll bet he every day since the kid left, dad was standing right there waiting for this boy to come home. And eventually that day came. And was dad mad? Did dad say, oh, 
I've been waiting for you. I got something to tell you, man. No. Dad said, ah. This is the best day of my life. We are going to party like nobody's ever seen before. Go kill the fatted calf. And, and I mean, they're, they're getting ready to have just a huge barbecue, man. They ate beef ribs back then. And so here they are. They're killing the cows and everything. And they're getting ready to have a great big party. And the other son comes up and, he, you know, he's all jealous. Hey, what's up, man? This guy's a fool. He's a punk. Look at him. He, he was out there eating with pigs yesterday. Now we're celebrating him. Why? This isn't fair. Why don't you throw a party for me? I never wandered off. I've, you know, I've been the good kid and now you're celebrating him. Why? And the dad said, well, my son was lost, but now he's found. He's come home to me. I'm going to celebrate. And why is that? This is the story. The father is God. Okay. In this story. And God's the one that remains faithful even when we've been unfaithful because he cannot deny who he is. God, at his essence, is faithful. That's who he is. God is love. God is faithful. And even when we don't deserve it, he's right there. Don't forget the times that he's bailed you out. The times that, man, maybe you wandered away again, but you came back and he wasn't mad. He was happy. He said, oh, man. Oh, thank God. I've been waiting for you. Listen, don't ever forget those times. Because when we do, we become unfaithful. We become a prodigal. And we start slipping down the wrong way. And so I'm going to look at one last passage here tonight. James chapter 5. And as we're turning there, I want to say this. That God will never walk away from us. We know that. But it is possible for a person to walk away from Him. You know, the question that I get asked a lot, probably, I would say more than any other question, is, well, do you believe in the once saved, always saved? And do you believe that, I mean, you know, and we were talking about this the other night, some of us. And the truth is, no. It is possible for somebody to wander away from the Lord. And did God leave them? Will God ever just take your salvation away and say, no, I don't like you anymore? No, never. Never. You're absolutely secure in your salvation. He will never just take it away. But some people willfully choose to walk away, turn their back, and get away from God. God didn't leave them. They left Him. God's faithful. He's not going to leave you. But some people, they just decide, well, man, and they walk off. And God's right where He's always been, but they take off. And it's a sad thing to see, and believe me, I've got a whole slew of scriptures to back this point, and I'm glad to share them with anybody. But I want to show you right here, in James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20, it says this, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, okay, so somebody that's among you, that's somebody that's already a Christian, they're already at the truth, they wander away, you can't wander away from something you were never at. They wander away from the truth and then is brought back. Verse 20, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. And so, yeah, sometimes people wander from the truth. They wander away from God. But the good news is that God will always take them back. The good news is that when we bring this one back, it says that we've saved them from death and, 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 uh, and, and we brought about the forgiveness of many sins. So I believe that a lot of the people that 
man, they maybe start to lose a little interest in, in church or whatever and the Lord. They start wandering off. They may not necessarily be a, you know, a, a real bad person, but a lot of times they're just forgetting about the things that Jesus has done for them. They forget about the great times they've had with him. They forget about the battles that have been fought and won and conquered. And in the busyness of life, they start to wander off. It's happened to so many people. But I'm trying to encourage us tonight to don't let that happen to you. If you're in the most comfortable position you've ever been in in your life right now, good. That is awesome, great, grand, wonderful. But listen to me. Don't take this opportunity to get sidetracked and say, well, you know, I guess we could... Miss a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, I, I could go this morning without reading my Bible, really. I, I, I just, you know, I could do something else. Don't, it, it starts with something little. Nobody just ever full-blown walks away from God. They're coming to three church services a week, serve and tithe and everything else. And then, all right, guess we're taking a break from the Lord for a while. No more church. Now let's take a six-month, you know, break here. No one does that. that. That's crazy. It starts with something little. And so... Don't let something little come in and you miss a day here or there and, and you know, and, 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 and just start, start wandering off a little bit at a time. Don't let that happen to you. Always remember the things that God has done for you and brought you through because you're going to stay thankful. You're going to stay full of faith. You're not going to be fearful whenever a, a giant comes up. You're going to remember the last time. And you're going to stay faithful to Him. It's going to keep you on the right track. To remember what the Lord has brought you through. So tonight, Jesus is saying, don't you remember what I did last time? Keep that in mind tonight, alright? Amen. We're going to end right there. Let's go ahead and stand up together.